Hi, Sister Callista here. The following service was made in conjunction with VIP Story Glory Guard congregant Skylar S. The congregant had this to say, I'd like to dedicate it to my great-grandpa Hap, who passed away last year. His nickname for me was Rooster Shanghai Short-Tail Shotgun Shaggy Moss. The story thanks you and curses you. Ha ha. Congregants! In our time of need, the story has smiled upon us an unwholesome rictus, crowded with ugly teeth. May we endure its grin as we call out its name. The story must be told. The story must be told. Yeah, we've had our hard times recently. Abandonment, theft, the continual threat of the federal government, the return of that sinister... Chalms. But we finally have some good news! Pastor Andrew? <laughs> Thanks, Big R. Oh yeah, we are excited to announce a new exclusive partnership with one of my favorite A-list celebrity congregants, or should I say, G-list. <laughs> it's the one, the often irascible Paul Giamatti's. Okay, whoa, 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 wait. <laughs> okay, hold it. You didn't let me finish. <clears throat> Paul Giamatti's Giamatif. Let me say it again. Giamatif. Paul Giamatti's Giamatif. Paul Giamatif's Giamatti? <laughs> no, Brother Reed. Paul Giamatti's Giamatti. Paul Matti Giamatti's teeth teeth? Okay, you're getting close. It's Giamatti. Giamapal teeth appalls? All right. Look, it's Giamatif. Right. Paul Giamatti's Giamatti. Paul Giamatti's Giamatti. Paul the Meath Giamatti. Paul Giamatti's Giamatti. Paul Giamatti's Giamatti. Paul Giamatti's Giamatti. Say it. Paul Giamatti's Giamatti. Paul Giamatti's Giamatti. Paul Giamatti's Giamatti. They're teeth, but they come from Paul Giamatti. Oh, now I get it. So, like, are they his, or, or does he does he find them? <laughs> what do I look like? Paul Giamatti. <laughs> well, it's time for a song. Every window boarded, the lawn a litter of debris. A word inscribes the door, baby bottomies. Bet you won't go in, Devin, the children all do dare. Devin just has to impress them, though he is awful scared. The front door swings open, the inside reeks of mold. Children listen awestruck to the horror he beholds. Ahead a baby cries, and so he comes to a halt. For the longer Devin hears it whine, it sounds like an adult. Wee, wee, wah, wum, feed me, wipe me, suck me thumb. Wah, wah, wee, wee, what was old is now baby. He makes for the door, they're still here, he does shout. But the children waiting outside will not let him out. 
See ya, Devin, the children tease, trapping him inside baby bottomies. He bangs and bangs, but the door it holds. He begins to panic, cause he is six years old. Then a friendly voice speaks out from the gloom. Do not be scared, sweet Devin. Come, let's find your room. Hand in hand, the nurse guides him, so they can drill his skull and extract his teeth. All right, did someone say teeth? Paul Giamatti! Yeah, yeah, it's me and yeah, I'm here for teeth. Again, I sell teeth. Giamatti, what's the matter with you? So, who's got him? Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, 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 sure. Hold out on me, why don't you listen? I don't come here just for fun. I don't waste people's time. I need teeth. And no, I won't tell you why. It's not for a cabin. A beautiful enamel cabin. In all its bucolic splendor. I can see a lake. I can, I can feel a breeze. I can see the sun glistening. Even my black heart starts to sing when I see it. So unless you've got teeth, you can just buzz off, buddy. Um... From the heartland of the story, written by thousands of little touches, a story titled, The Perfect Man. Three hundred guests congested a train station turned event space, the centerpiece of the newly revitalized downtown. They cheered as Mr. and Mrs. Jeremy Viratutis danced hand in hand to the head table amid euphoric cheers. They listened to speeches. Mary, when you introduced us to Jeremy, I said one thing. Uh, does he have a brother? (laughs) Jeremy, you inspire me in so many ways. As a scholar, an athlete, a soldier. Let's give it up for the troops, ladies and gentlemen. Mary spoke to Jeremy's friends from the military. He had hundreds of friends, but she had yet to meet any of his family. She was scanning the crowd. She wanted to meet his mother. When the wedding planner poked her in the kidney. The dance floor, now! The couple joined hands, and the band sunk into Just to See You Smile by Tim McGraw. Hundreds swayed in place as the newlyweds spun lazy circles. This is perfect, Mary said. The first words she told Jeremy since, I do. I know. He said. All my friends, my loved ones. (sighs) But it's not enough. Mary laughed. Jeremy betrayed no humor. I have wrung my life of every drop, and yet still I thirst. He looked her hard in the eye. So now, I'm going to live your life too. Baby, (laughs) she laughed. Mary didn't get to finish. Jeremy spun his wife, propelling her away. She just barely kept balance as he took three big steps back and flung his arms high in the air. Hit it! The Tim McGraw cover stopped with a record scratch. Conga drums pounded and horns wailed, harbingers of a seminal hit by Rob Thomas and Carlos Santana. The crowd exploded as Jeremy broke into a choreographed dance routine. He dabbed, flossed, then slid frictionless on his knees. The guitarist played a rocking solo, and Jeremy mimed it, complete with zany kicks. 
The kids screamed, the grandparents cracked up, and every uncle raised their beers in salute. Mary alone objected. Jeremy, that's enough. It wasn't enough. Jeremy ripped his pants away to reveal blue glitter spandex. The crowd gasped so loud it sounded like an assassination. It was time for the finale. Jeremy ran up to the stack of speakers near the stage. He climbed higher and higher. He had rented the tallest ones he could find, so as he reached the summit, he stood 15 feet tall. A semicircle of hundreds gazed up at the perfect man. Jeremy, this isn't funny. Come back down, Mary shouted, but the cheering buried her voice. Only Jeremy's waving arms could achieve silence. Today is the best day of my life, but it's just the start. Mary? Jeremy looked right at her, and every head turned to join his gaze. This is all for you. (laughs) With that, Jeremy took a step back, and with a burst of speed, dove from his perch. Mary's organs jumped inside her body, as though to fall with him. She watched his form slowly tilt, the broad grin on his face falling surely below his feet, leading the charge. Mary saw the empty tile floor before her mouth could scream. Crack! Jeremy's neck snapped hard on the bare floor. Jeremy! The scream finally came, shattering the brief silence. The crowd panicked. Women screamed, children cried. Fifty people called 911. The photographer snapped a photo she would never print. The moment the wife saw the husband. The dread tugging at her lips, the pinpricks of her pupils, the man's head 45 degrees to his body, and the strange smile on his face. Automatically, she sat up from her cot, wedged in the walk-in closet between medical equipment, trophies, and boxes of Jeremy's old clothes. She opened the slatted door to the master bedroom. What is it, baby? Jeremy's bed and apparatus filled the entire bedroom. Breathing machines inhaled and exhaled. Under bamboo sheets, head held rigid in a neck pillow, Jeremy stared expressionless at Mary. Are you thirsty? Hungry? Jeremy only smiled. He was enjoying this. Baby, please, help me out here. For a quadriplegic, Jeremy's muscles had retained their definition, his skin its sheen and porcelain smoothness. He pressed his jaw against the mouth sensor. I don't know what you're asking. Her voice trembled. It was then Mary smelled rank, fresh feces. The smooth face folded into an unwholesome rictus. The next three hours passed without Mary's mental presence. She lifted Jeremy from his special bed, wiped and changed him, then strapped him to the standing frame for his daily muscle stimulation. Current pulsed through his muscles as Mary did laundry and prepared Jeremy's breakfast. After eating, Mary bathed Jeremy by sponge. Her belly growled. Honey, I still need to eat. If we could just... 
She lotioned the man's body, massaged his face with a round follicle brush, and sprayed product into his hair, thicker than her own. She clothed the body, prepped the chair, started the van, and loaded the perfect man inside. The physical therapist greeted her at the back of the van as they initiated the lift for Jeremy. Morning, he said. He had a blonde goatee. On his shoulder, recent muscle gain distorted a Bible verse tattoo. Mary began to respond when the therapist barked. Woof, woof! <laughs> yeah, that's my dog! Jeremy, you ready to earn it today? Mary sat in a meeting room in the Pathways megachurch. A man named Hector was speaking. Mary did not listen. Christ smiled at her from a series of framed paintings. The one of Jesus attending the wedding at Cana made her eyes well. Mary, the leader said for the third time. How was the last month for you and Jeremy? Oh, um, two months, actually. Jeremy wouldn't let me go last month. Mary quivered at the edge of release. During a meeting was the only time she could feel her whole body take a full breath. It's... it's worse than it's ever been. He won't let me sleep or eat. He's my every moment. And it's not... I can work. I can sacrifice. It's his face. There's this... malice. She was building to it. Tears. The people next to her would place their hands on her back, and she'd feel the warmth she'd miss all month. I'm not me anymore. It's just Jeremy. And how is Jeremy? The group leader asked. Mary shook her head. I don't know. The doctors won't tell me anything. This is information we only share with the patient. (laughs) Well, I'm his wife. She could sense the curly-haired woman at her side, a hug brewing, waiting for the cue. It's been five years. He hasn't improved at all. No change, not one. The tears were close now. Oh, come on, a man shouted. Mary opened her eyes to the outburst. Gary O'Donnell, one of the group's earliest members. You say the same thing every month. No change, no change. You ever think this isn't about Jeremy, but you? Several people voiced approval. I would never hold him back. I try so... Is improving. No change, no change. Do you know how cruel you sound? When the meeting ended, Mary waited by the group leader as she put on her coat. Would it be possible to have another meeting this month? This one wasn't... Well, it wasn't the release it normally is. Mary tried to smile, but already her face was turning rigid, her breath shallow. The group leader strained her lips into a flat line. (sighs) Mary, this is a network of support. That's true. But even I have an outside life. The woman pulled out her car keys and left. Mary couldn't wait another month for release, tears, human warmth. She surveyed the group. No one made eyes with her, least of all Gary. Sinking into her disappointment, she did not right away notice the man speaking to her. Harsher than necessary? It wasn't appropriate. Mary turned to the man's face. Hector Conrad. He joined the group shortly after Mary, when his wife Shelley had a similar accident to Jeremy's. His eyes were green, and she could see his nipples through his polo. What? Gary. How he was acting so, well, unkind. I just wanted to say you have friends here if you need us. 
He had a gap between his front two teeth that made his smirk intimate, homespun and comforting. Oh, yeah, Gary. I don't know. Maybe I needed to hear it. God knows I can be... selfish. Hector put a hand on Mary's shoulder. She needed him. Catching even herself off guard, Mary fell into his chest. He startled at the surprise impact, a confused hand patting her on the back. Several spouses watched from the outside, slowing their conversations to eavesdrop. Well, you know, we're in this together, the man said, pulling them apart. That gap-toothed smile again. Shelly is... she's really lucky to have you. That brief contact alone woke Mary up. She could feel the blood in her cheeks. I feel like Jeremy and I could learn something from you two. The man eyed the woman watching them and brushed them off. He took a step forward. Hey, maybe you and Jeremy can come over sometime. That would be amazing! Her rapture was immediate. She pulled out her phone. What's your number? She recorded the digits as the man spoke them aloud. She hadn't received a number since college. She closed the contact page and saw the time. Oh no. The therapist was waiting for Mary as she rushed from the van. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 30 minutes late. I know, I was trying to. I mean, it doesn't bother me. I could hang out with Jeremy all day. But the way he speaks to me, he tries to hide it, but I can tell it hurts him. Mary tried not to wince. She still remembered Jeremy's voice. To call that painful beep speaking was a stretch her imagination could not make. How did it not bother other people? You're right. I was just being selfish. I'll make it up to him. Mary ran through the front entrance. Jeremy waited for her. His face was porcelain smooth, his therapy outfit ringed with sweat. He smelled like sex. I'm sorry, honey. He said nothing. At home, Mary prepared dinner. Her hands shook so much she couldn't slice the avocado. She still hadn't eaten. She took deep breaths and recalled fleetingly the warmth of Hector's breath on her neck, the firmness of his physique. Her hands steadied. She began to cut again when a strange moan erupted from the other room. She turned her head in alarm. Jeremy? She called out, but it was no sound of his. The wailing was human, lusty. Mary followed the sound. Jeremy was in the living room, the TV on. A woman's bare breasts filled the screen, then a swollen phallus. Mary blushed at once and looked for the remote. Jeremy twisted his skull against a special sensor, raising the volume. Moans and the wet slapping of skin, and a Czech accent shouting, Oh, fucking, oh, fuck! echoed in the open room. Mary could not catch her breath. Jeremy only raised the volume. Honey, please. Louder and louder the moans, the slaps of skin. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. It was 3 a.m. Jeremy slept bare-chested, assisted by his machinery. Recently soiled tissues filled the wastebasket, a vibrating device shaped like a silicon horseshoe drying on a towel by the sink. In the closet, Mary could not sleep. As though losing an argument with herself, she sighed and pulled out her phone. Opening her contacts, she found Hector's number. Mary studied the digits. They brought her an odd calm. She traced the length of a one with a fingertip. Mary's heart raced. Sometimes Jeremy's jaw tapped the sensor in his sleep. 
She listened to his artificial breathing. It was steady. She cursed and covered the phone screen with a palm. You dummy. This isn't high school. You're married, for God's sake. She hardened herself to duty and gave the fantasy up. She took her hand off the phone. She wondered why the screen had changed. Her racing heart stopped. She was calling the number. Mary tapped the screen too hard, hitting the wrong buttons. The call ended, but not before, for a faint second, she heard half a groggy. Mary tried to catch her breath. What would Hector think? What if Jeremy found out? She could kill herself. In the quiet of the closet, she stuck her fist in her mouth and bit down hard. Uh, What is it, honey? Mary shouted a little too loud. She ran to Jeremy's bedside. He stared her deep in the eyes, then crinkled his face. The stench swirled in her nostrils. Oh, yes, of course, baby. She went to the pack of diapers on the shelf above her cot. She reached in, and her stomach sank. It was empty. In the fluorescent light of the pharmacy, Mary cradled a mega-pack of adult diapers. She studied her arms like they were dead fish. The PA system played the black-eyed peas. Something about the screeching refrain of get it started made her eyes water. She needed to cry, but not now, not in a CVS. She swallowed it down, wondering when she would burst, when it would all... Morning! A friendly voice assaulted. The physical therapist stood sweat-dappled in the line behind her. Ah, didn't think I'd see a familiar face so early. Mary stuck on the word early. She thought it was late. Jeremy insisted, Mary said to the diapers. Ugh, he can be a bit much sometimes, (laughs) right? Mary had never heard anyone say even the smallest slight against her husband. He can? Oh, sure. You should hear the guff he gives me. No, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. (laughs) Like a little kid. Mary felt herself wake for the first time in days. Yeah, she smiled. He acts like he's so perfect. Well, guess what? I wouldn't have to buy so many diapers if he didn't poop like a baby. (laughs) Mary laughed to herself. That is 100%. Mary felt free. Finally, she found a friend. Completely uncalled for. Mary's organs leapt inside, and she had the sensation of falling. Oh, no, I didn't mean it. I For your information, that is not... Just ignorant, but hurtful. Jeremy is right. You are selfish. You can't even... The therapist shook with so much anger he had to step away. Other shoppers were taking notice. I would never begrudge a patient for having an accident. Most quadriplegics can't control it, but this is Jeremy. Jerbear. Jer the man. He's never made so much as a skid mark in five years. You hear me? Not one. The therapist shoved past her, knocking the diapers from her hands. She absorbed the abuse mutely. The man's truth sank into her like a fly into hot wax. Not one. The routine robbed Mary of her mind for the next three hours. Jeremy vibrated, sweat, soaked, and ate, each in absolute composure. He had an accident after breakfast, and Mary had to undress him all over again to change his diaper. Staring at his toned thighs, 
Mary could not shake the feeling that Jeremy did this to her on purpose. She studied his face, his every flicker of eyelid, the roundness of his pupils. Was he enjoying this? As she cleaned his mess, Mary pondered what would happen if she killed herself. She imagined the comfort of dirt, the cool interior of a grave, and more than anything, the quiet. Her eyes began crying, though her face did not. An electronic beep interrupted her thoughts, but it did not belong to Jeremy. Where was her phone? She could not find it on her person. Mary searched her pockets, the table. Jeremy demanded, Hold on, please. Mary found her phone by the diaper bag. Hector flashed on the screen. She stared dumbfounded for half a second. She hurried to hit accept when the call ended. A fury took her over, and she bit her fist. Until the message appeared. One new voicemail. Rounding the corner so Jeremy could not see, Mary crouched down in the pantry and listened. Hi, Mary. Um, so Shelly and I were wondering if you and Jeremy were free Saturday. Shelly likes to grill, so if the weather holds, we can... Just let me know if you have any allergies or if you're free. Okay, thanks. Outside a modest one-story ranch, clouds wove a gnarled purple tapestry across the suburb. Mary puzzled over the lack of a wheelchair ramp. How would they get Jeremy inside? She knocked, and to her absolute surprise, Shelly answered the door. Hey, y'all! Mary knew she was staring, but could not stop. She had heard about Shelly's diagnosis when Hector joined the group. She was as bad as Jeremy, yet here she was, standing, in braces, on crutches, but on her own. Well, don't just stand there. Get in here! Um... How do we get Jeremy inside? Mary asked. Oh, we have a ramp for guests. She turned, directing her attention inside the house. Hector, grab the ramp, hon. (laughs) Way ahead of you, amigo. Hector chuckled, lugging a wooden ramp from the open garage. His arms bulged. Mary made herself look away. Hey, how about you gals get the steak going while Jerry and I get acquainted? Mary was quietly thankful. Whatever her childish feelings about Hector were, they were gone now. This wasn't some stupid booty call. This was friendship. A chance at a normal life. That sounds perfect. She smiled. Inside, Mary followed Shelly to the kitchen, unable to keep herself from marveling. How long have you been able to walk? Almost a year now. I can't go all day, but it's a big improvement, even just to do it a little. The walking is one thing, the hands... She lifted a hand on its crutch, fingers twitching lightly as she tried to flex. That's the real goal. A little every day, right? Shelly loaded her apron with utensils and walked to the glass patio door. Mary walked ahead to open it. Thunder rumbled distantly. If we get started now, maybe we can beat the rain. She eased herself down on a bench, legs sticking straight out, and with a series of practiced Velcro rips and maneuvers, replaced her crutch with a meat fork. She caught Mary watching. You sure you're married to a quadriplegic? You're staring at me like I'm doing magic tricks. (laughs) She laughed. Sorry, I just... I guess I'm so used to Jeremy. I didn't realize there was so much of a spectrum to it. Your arms, your voice. I thought it was just, you know, you either lose below your waist or below your neck. Shelly blinked at this. Are you... are you kidding? 
Those are like major stereotypes. Something in the tone made Mary's lip quiver. Shelley tried to reassure her. Oh, it's okay. I'm not trying to upset you. It's just, how do you not know about this? Jeremy won't let... The doctors won't tell me. So I just... I just stopped asking. It's not about me. I... I can't be selfish. Shelley looked Mary hard in the eye. Mary felt the feeling rise inside her. You are not selfish. And I don't care what Jeremy wants... You're his wife. You deserve to know. And then it arrived. After months of waiting, Mary broke down into tears. Shelley took Mary's hand in hers. Mary leaned her head into Shelley's chest and cried softly. Shelley breathed warm into her ear until Mary calmed and began to laugh. God, I soaked your shirt, she said, wiping away the tears. I know we just met, but I'm... I'm really happy I'm here with you. I feel the same way, Shelley sighed. It makes me wish Hector and I were dating when you got married. The meat sizzled on the open grill, and Shelley lowered the hood. Mary began to process what the woman told her. What do you mean? Did Hector- Oh, he and Jer go way back. Come on, these should cook for a while. Let's surprise the boys. Mary followed Shelley into the kitchen, then the living room. Their husbands were missing. Maybe they're in the workout room? Mary wasn't listening. Her mind was a loop. Hector knew Jeremy? Why had he not mentioned it? He'd been in the group for years. She scanned her memory of the wedding. Was he there? Shelley arrived at a closed door. She stuck an ear against the wood and silenced a giggle with her hand. Mary grabbed the knob and opened the door. Inside, Jeremy was in his special chair, his perfect white smile gleaming to the ceiling. Hector was bent down, head bobbing between Jeremy's thighs, while his mouth made noises like tires stuck in mud. Shelley was screaming, Hector's gap teeth wet as he emptied his mouth. Mary said nothing, eyes crying on their own again. She just looked at Jeremy's smug face. Without a wink or a word, he said it all. This is mine, too. Mary drove them home in a stupor, ignoring every honk and red light. The way Shelley had erupted at her, accused her of setting it all up. She hadn't expected that. The word would spread quickly. She could never attend the support group again. In the back, Jeremy grinned and played with his censor. He seemed to wait for the moments Mary was trying to collect herself. Did he know she wanted to crash the van? Did he know how she eyed the guardrails of every overpass? She could just... die. No, she couldn't die. Then Jeremy would win. Honey, please stop. Somehow, that did it. Mary gunned the accelerator. The neighborhood ripped by in a blur. She popped over the curb to the house, but she did not use the driveway. Even Jeremy's eyes went wide as she pulled up on the grass, cracking down the mailbox. She spun the steering wheel so the van grated under the gutters with a metal shriek. The bodies inside jerked ragdoll as the van collided with the brick facade of the patio. Mary's head thudded hard on the steering wheel. Her vision went black. 
The next thing she knew, she was climbing out of the driver's side door. As she slammed it shut, the airbag finally deployed. She rounded the back of the van and found the door already popped open. Jeremy lay prone inside, his chair ajar so he tilted out. Mary leaned her face in close so she could smell his minty breath. Do you do it on purpose? She asked him. Your accidents, she whispered. You control your bowels, don't you? Jeremy smiled back, his teeth white and friendly. They parted in a faint line of black as his eyes lost focus. His neck tensed, and the rank smell was immediate. Mary ripped Jeremy from his chair. She didn't think she'd be laughing so much, but the mirth poured from her. His body was so light, she thought in awe. Ha ha, she could have done this years ago. Mary threw Jeremy out of the van onto the front lawn. She cackled at the way his body crumbled. Oh, come on. Don't have to lie to me anymore. I know. You've had control. I bet you can speak, can walk. I bet you can still dance. She kicked her legs a little as though in jig and promptly fell. She was dizzy getting to her feet and collided with the side of the van in a metal clang. I'm done. You hear me? Done! Mary circled to the back of the van and hoisted herself until she stood on top. She staggered atop the van until she reached the roof of the house. Hands and feet on the shingles, she climbed. At the highest arch of the bland home, Mary could see her devastation. The tire tread through the grass, the downed mailbox, the steaming van, and the displaced paralytic. Thunder roared and she opened her mouth broad, blending the laughter she loosed with the thunder in full quaking insanity. I thought I wanted to die, but I don't. (laughs) I just want things to be fair again. With that, she stood and shook there in the harsh wind. The patio lay beneath, its inviting concrete panels displaying an X as though to mark her target. You hear me? I'm taking something back. Mary dove. Jeremy watched from his position in the grass as his wife soared overhead, her manic eyes over the concrete patio. A limp body rolled off the concrete to join the one on the grass. The fractured neck distorted Mary's cries into garbled engine noises. Blood bubbled with her punctured exhales, hisses with each painful inhale, but Jeremy could tell she was still laughing. Difficult due to his infirmity, he turned his neck to see his wife. She lay nearby, also face down in the soil, though her body seemed to be face up. She was happy, for at least a little longer. The rain began in fat drops, which Mary could only feel on her face. In seconds, a downpour began, water falling by the bucket. Soon, the ragged breaths bubbled on more than blood. The lawn puddled in the distant center, then it spread by tributaries and budding lakes to cover more and more grass. Mary splattered her breaths in thin muck, then half an inch of water, then more. She looked over to Jeremy and saw each heave of his lungs splash noisily in shallow water. Her discomfort was forgotten. Dying was not so bad if she knew she could do it with Jeremy. Two inches, and Mary found she could not spit the water out of her mouth. It began to go down. She choked and shook uselessly. Jeremy shook as well, but with a strange vigor. 
His eyes connected with Mary perfectly and shone. He was smiling. His arms wiggled, then parted from his sides. The fingers could not move, but the elbows bent to press them firm into the mud. He lifted. Jeremy rose from the water as Mary took a breath that purchased no air. She began to drown as her husband took a full breath. This is all for you. And he laughed. In the funeral parlor on DuPont Road, next to the McDonald's, the casket was ignored. On the corkboard at the head of the room, Jeremy's satisfied grin loomed over every photo of the deceased wife. In one, someone had drawn a mustache on her face. The plaintive music piping over the speakers could not compete with the growing laughter. At the back of the room, a crowd swelled about the jolly, handsome widower. Jeremy, I just want you to know I'm here for you. Hector whispered, squeezing a hand on Jeremy's shoulder. Shelly smiled behind him, licking her lips. Me too, Jeremy's mother-in-law said. Just because Mary's gone doesn't mean we won't cover your expenses. Heck, she laughed. It'll actually be easier now. She kissed him long on the cheek. The feigned mourning at once gave way to the desire building in every heart. Jock jams replaced the funeral music. Dozens of loving hands persuaded Jeremy from his special chair, enough to wrap every limb. Guided by the hands of Mary's own family and his endless friends, Jeremy's body rose, stood tall, and began to dance. Loved ones tapped his toes and swung his arms, pressing their bodies close to his in fervor. Their sweat mingled. Jeremy laughed, gleeful, and everyone laughed with him. The story must be told. Okay, wow. Um, so now that the story's done, I can catch you all up on what happened. So, so shortly after Mr. Giamatti left the building, a handwritten note was nailed to our church door. On it, Mr. Giamatti demanded that the church provide him the teeth he needs for his own uh, uh, um, uh, private purposes. Brother Reed and I are pretty sure he's serious. With this in mind, we are going to hold a tooth drive for the next couple weeks. If you have teeth, or you find any, send them to Paul Giamatti's Giamatteeth. G-I-A-M-A-T-T-E-E-T-H. P.O. Box 1870, Long Island City, New York, 11101. We need teeth. Teeth! We need teeth! We are not kidding. Send us teeth. Do it! If we don't get teeth, then then that's it! We're done! Look at me! Look at me. In the eyes. Teeth. 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 Come on, teeth. Giamatti! That was The Story Must Be Told. This is liturgical director Carl, and Brother Reed didn't allow me to read this until right now. Please rate... Oh, shit. That's so funny. That's ridiculous. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe and like on SoundCloud or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. When I was born, the doctor told my mom on Peepaw that I had a condition called Fat Salami Wiener. You can also follow our YouTube channel. See our weird web videos and short films at youtube.com backslash... Oh, it's just slash. Slash. Yeah. People know. 
youtube.com slash the story must be told. At school, even the teachers made fun of my swollen, meaty chunker, and I needed a back brace due to the unwholesome dick weight. Did you know that every episode is scored by liturgical director Carl? One, <laughs> one healthy man with all the music. Yeah, baby. One, shit. Keep going. Anyway, back to the dick joke. Um, uh, what else do I want Carl to say? Yeah, my name is Carl, and I can say that sometimes a large penis is both unattractive and a physical burden. We will see you in two weeks. Until then, I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to submit insurance for an elective surgery. They won't cover it, but I like to spread the good news. Now, Rooster, Shanghai, Shirttail, Shotgun, Shagamo. Man, we're saying his name a lot. The story must be told. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.